here's a message from Ken Lavica. College football's done. The NFL's going to be done in just a couple of weeks. Are we watching basketball now? Still in the Banowitz, hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken LaVica Live. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Programs. Turn it up! Turn it up! From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, it's Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. That's right, uh, guys, ladies, the NBA has been going and is going for quite some time. I think it might be time to start paying attention, though I wonder how much attention has been paid up to this point. Ken Levick Alive, Wednesday edition, here on ESPN 106.3. We're getting a nice bonus appearance this week from Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29, Stone the Banowitz Friday Night Lights, keeping the lights on until 2 o'clock, coming to you from the Anna John Levine Accident Attorney Studios, downtown West Palm Beach, Phillips Point Towers, right off the Intracoastal. College football ended. Georgia national champions. That's done. Theo, we don't, uh, we don't see college football again until, and as we discussed yesterday, inexplicably, Northwestern and Nebraska play in Dublin, Ireland in late August. I still don't get it. I still don't understand that. I think maybe they like beer. Maybe they want to go out there and try the maybe, beers out there. Maybe. It's something different. Uh, it really doesn't get me going for college football. Uh, there, there's nothing exciting about that. I'm like, oh, oh, God, I can't wait for that. Uh, the NFL, you realize that we are uh, less than a month away from the Super Bowl. Yeah. That's about to be a wrap. Baseball might not happen. Oh, my goodness. So now we're in a spot where, yeah, it's, it's basketball time. It's basketball or bust. It's NBA time. And... Yesterday, you were extremely concerned. After the show yesterday, just if you could, rehash what you asked me. Rehash what you were hypothesizing uh, because you've been face full of football for months and months and months and months. And what occurred to you yesterday? It occurred to me that there are so many things going on in this NBA season. There are stars being in and out. There are new teams budding out from the depths of, we thought, you know, mediocrity forever. And I feel like there's not been enough attention paid to the NBA. Like, there is so much going on. Your Chicago Bulls, your hometown Chicago Bulls, are number one in the East. Yeah. On the other side, the Golden State Warriors, who just brought back Klay Thompson over the weekend, were already number one in the West. LeBron's Lakers suck. Like, the Celtics suck. There's so many things going on in the NBA, but I think there's been not enough attention paid to it. And not enough people watching some of these games. Like, we follow some of the storylines because of podcast and talk radio. But are we watching these NBA games right now? So, me personally, I have not been watching a lot of NBA. Am I paying attention to it? Absolutely. Am I on top of it? Yes. Have I watched a lot of it? No. So, I guess what I'm asking you then is what is your, your definition of watching the NBA? Does it count doing what I'm doing where uh, I maybe watch three full heat games all year. I've popped in a little bit when the Bulls are on TNT, but I'm largely reading recaps, watching highlights, looking at box scores. Does that count as watching the NBA, you know, or do you have to sit down, kick your feet up, and actually watch some ball? I think the typical NBA fan in this in this day and age, 
that is how most people consume the NBA. Then you'll watch a little recap on YouTube if you want to. But, like, okay. that is how the typical person does it. They stick to their favorite podcast, whether that's, like, The Low Post or Wind Horse and all, you know, and you'll listen to it that way. But usually Christmas Day is that mark, you know, that demarcation where, like, here going forward, I'm going to start paying attention. Before Christmas Day, I get it. NFL, college football, even you got the World Series going in through October. It's hard to pay attention to the NBA in these regular season games. That don't matter that much, right? Yeah. But Christmas Day usually matters. And coming up, Martin Luther King Day weekend is a big one. Or, sure. Yeah, that, that's a huge one for the NBA. Monday afternoon games. That, those Monday games, yeah. that slate is always big. I think we're going to really know on Martin Luther King Day, if people aren't watching those games, it's like, when do you start watching? Are we really going to wait until the playoffs tip off? So let's ask this because I've been paying attention but not necessarily watching. You have been sort of in my boat a yeah. little bit. Yeah. You're on top of it, but I you're not necessarily watching. Yeah. yeah. Uh, are you watching the NBA? How much NBA have you watched to this point? Because it's about, we're just a couple of weeks away from that being the only thing going. That and the hockey. And the NBA is going to get the upper hand over, over hockey. That's oh, yeah. just where the nation's eyeballs go. I'm not using that as a way to knock the Florida Panthers, who I'm pumped about, and you should be jacked about them if you're here in South Florida. But how much NBA have you watched to this point? Tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. How much NBA have you watched to this point? Because me, admittedly, not a ton. I check it on the heat every day. Check it on the heat every night. I know Omar Yurtsevin is seeing significant minutes. Dirt season. I, 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 He's double-doubling. season. He's double-doubling like Shaq in the, in the freaking early 2000s. It's crazy right I now. know Kyle Guy is doing That's his right. thing right now. I know the Heat are full of 10-day contracts. <laughs> and isn't that perfect for Heat culture? That's so Heat culture um, to bring in these 10-day guys. In I want to make sure, too, the, the fact that you mentioned that. One, it's perfect for the Heat. And two, if anybody other than Eric Spolstra wins Coach of the Year, it's a disservice. That award is over yeah. because the Heat, who have not had Jimmy Butler, who have not had Bam, who have had Tyler Hero in and out of the lineup, who have had largely a bad Duncan Robinson, who have had Kyle Guy giving them minutes, who have had Omar Yurtsevin putting up double-doubles. Caleb Martin. Caleb Martin. Like, I mean, Monty Williams was raving about Yurtsevin the other night. After the Heat, that's right, the Heat shorthanded using Omar Yurtsevin. Yeah. Pounded the defending Western Conference champions. I mean, manhandled yeah. them in Phoenix. And the Suns are good this year. The Suns are like the two yeah. seed right yeah. now. But guess who, the, with all of this, guess who's the three seed in the East? It's the Heat. Miami Heat. The Heat have no business, to me, the way that the injuries have racked up and the COVID has racked up, they have no business being in the top eight. And they're two and a half games back of the Bulls in the top spot and that's, in the East. That's it. Yeah. I mean, Eric Spolster is the coach of the year. Forget Billy Donovan. Sorry. Sorry, Billy. Appreciate you. Bulls are a great story. But nobody's done what, what Eric Spolster has done. Right. No one. The way that Miami's been hit by both COVID and just injuries to their stars, it is impressive that this team is still competing. And there was a point in the season where they were falling in the standings a bit, but they've rallied together these 10-day guys are ready to play basketball in it. And it's just, again, it is a credit to the Heat organization, but it also is something that we probably could have guessed. The Heat are going to find yeah. guys off the scrap heap. They're going to bring them in there, get them in shape, and they're going to win basketball games by hell or high water. So admittedly, I have not been watching a ton of Heat. 
Paying attention to them? Yes. I've not been watching a ton of NBA. Paying attention to it? Yes. Uh, this show, we have not talked a lot of NBA because it's been all football. It's been NBA. It's been college football, but college football's done. We're about to be getting into a big NBA uh, portion of the run. schedule with this show. We're going to be talking a lot of NBA as we get into this playoff push and as guys keep coming back here with the heat. And we are your heat home here on ESPN 106.3. But... Uh, do you think that do you think that people are watching the NBA, or do you think that this is just sort of being forgotten about right now? Do you, do you because there, it's been a lot of star power out with COVID, yeah. A lot of players in and out of lineups with COVID. A lot of no names. A lot of guys on ten day contracts. A lot of G League guys who are getting really brief cups of cough in the NBA. Uh, do you think that that's dissuading people from watching? That's hurting the NBA because you don't know who you're going to be tuning into and what you're going to get in some of these primetime games. I think that's hurting it. I think also on top of that, like LeBron and the Lakers being bad and them being a seven seed right now doesn't help because, again, LeBron and him, like if he's having one of those historic, he's 37 and winning all the time seasons, I think you get a few more eyes. The Boston Celtics, bad. The Knicks, terrible. Like those things are hurting some Bing bong. Bing bong is over with. And then you got like the Memphis Grizzlies as a four seed. Nobody's, you know, nobody's, I I love y'all, but it's Memphis. You know, it's like they're 28 and 14. John Morant's a great story, but it's it's Memphis. What if I told you that at least through late December, NBA ratings are stable, the best they've been in two years, and Clay Thompson's return for the Warriors just broke viewership numbers on NBA TV. What if I told you that? Would you be shocked? And I would be 100% shocked because not enough people are talking about it. Maybe people are like in the depths of their homes watching and just not coming out or something. Like, why is it not more of a thing right now? The NBA has a lot of great stories going on. So, you got to get those, ready. All of those things I told you are true. Yeah. The NBA is thrilled with its viewership numbers mm. right now. Clay Thompson brought out viewership records on NBA TV, the NBA is doing just fine, even though you're right, in the, the national sports psyche, and every region's different, but in the national sports psyche, we know that football reigns supreme. NFL playoff time, that's going to continue to clog the airwaves, including here on ESPN 106.3, yeah. but it is clear that there is enough to go around now, and just because people aren't necessarily talking a ton about the NBA, the common people doesn't mean that plenty of people aren't watching the NBA. And that encourages me that once we get through football season, there is going to be a run on NBA unlike anything we've seen since the big three with the Heat because there's going to be no baseball right now, it appears. They have made no progress. It Mm. looks like that lockout's going well into spring training and probably well into April, maybe even into May, and it's going to be all basketball all the time. I actually think the NBA is in a great healthy spot and speaking of health these players are going to be coming back these covid circles are going to be ending because everybody in the league is going to end up having right. <laughs> gotten covid yeah. so like- it's going to be behind us at this point at some point the heat are going to get healthy jimmy's going to be back the heat ha- absolutely have enough to be the top team in the east when they're oh, healthy yeah. i would almost venture to say that they're the top team in the east knowing that Kyrie is only going to play a fraction games, yeah. of the Nets games for the rest of the season. I think the one team I'm nervous about if I'm the Heat is the Bucks, is the defending champs that a lot of people, again, are forgetting to talk about. But 
you know, the Heat do it like Heat Bucks conference finals, you know, give me that and I'll be happy with what the Heat did this season. You know? Yeah, sure. Like win or lose or draw and that like you want to win, you want to see him get back to the finals, but like going up against that Bucks team, they are a behemoth. Yeah. Yeah. I I I the Bucks are a concern. The Bulls are really good. The Bulls are. The Bulls are a lot of fun. DeMar, they had the best offseason of any team in the NBA. It is abundantly clear. I also think, though, that the emergence of a team like the Bulls is helping a little bit. People love to be nostalgic. This isn't like the Knicks being good and all of a sudden New York media wants to declare the NBA is better when the Knicks are good because that's patently false yeah. because the NBA has done just fine without the Knicks. The NBA is just fine without the Bulls being good. But I think coming off of... A year and a half ago, where you had the Bulls documentary, where you have nostalgia, where the Bulls are back to what appears to be a dominant team in the Eastern Conference, I think it's a perfect storm. And I think there's an interest. And I think that even though we're not watching, there are large pockets of America, and Chicago is a big market where they are starting to tune in on a game-to-game basis as opposed to occasionally. And they've largely been fairly healthy which has definitely helped the cause. I think sometimes down here in South Florida, and Heat TV numbers are great on yeah. valleys. They are great on valleys. But what's hurt discussing the Heat on Sports Talk Radio is how much time can we spend talking about Caleb Martin? Yeah. <laughs> you know? How much time can we spend talking about Kyle Guy? Well, you got to find more time to explain who these guys are. Yeah. And then, then we can talk about them. Yeah. It's going to be much easier to talk about the Heat when Jimmy's back. Jimmy, and when Bam, Bam is Kyle, back, when PJ. Tyler Hero's playing, when PJ's back, mm. absolutely. That's going to make it a lot easier, and that's going to happen. That's going to happen, and we are going to talk about them. When Keith comes back, we're going to talk about these people. But until then, it's just tough. It's tough to focus in on it. How much NBA have you watched to this point? Not that you're going to watch, but how much NBA have you watched to this point? Tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. Theo and I, admittedly, not a ton. Yeah. Not a lot of it. We're up on it, but not a lot of it. Haven't talked uh, about a lot of it here. But TV numbers are pretty good. It really seems like Theo and I are a little bit of the anomaly. We're a little bit of the minority here yeah. that we're not watching NBA. But now that the, that, that the NFL, whether you, you want to uh, come to the realization or not, the NFL's done in a couple of weeks. The NFL's done in a handful of weeks. And then the NBA and the NHL are going to be the only games in town is baseball, buddies, let me tell you, that's going to be a long fight. And I think we're missing part of that regular season, if not the entire Major League Baseball regular yeah. season. It's not looking good at all. It's not feeling good at all. How much NBA have you watched to this point? Tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. How much NBA have you watched to this point? We're here until 2 o'clock on ESPN 106.3. He's Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm Ken Levicka. More after this on ESPN West Palm. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levicka Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken Levicka. Ken Levick alive here on ESPN 106.3, presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. What did Stephen Ross mean? We'll go back to Stephen Ross's Zoom press conference after he fired Brian Flores on Monday. Ken Levick, Theo Dorsey, 
uh, hanging out with us this segment here on ESPN 106.3, Theodore WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. Uh, let me tell you about Pat Lawler, Lawler & Associates, personal injury attorneys. He's going to join us, our sports law, sports agent insider, uh, later on in the show. Uh, he also is uh, someone who you need to go to if you have a personal injury matter. That free consultation, wanttolawyerup.com. Slip and fall, an automobile accident, a boating accident, any sort of accident. That's Lawler & Associates, personal injury attorneys, wanttolawyerup.com. That's wanttolawyerup.com. Uh, something that I keep going back to, Theo, because I keep seeing it pop up on social media, is whatever is going to happen between the Dolphins and Jim Harbaugh. Immediately, immediately after Brian Flores was fired on Monday, I think the obvious place to go to was, well, Jim Harbaugh's the target. Jim Harbaugh is who Stephen Ross is going to go for. But then you almost as quickly as you had that thought started seeing the likes of Jeff Darlington tweet that uh, Jim Harbaugh is not a target. Brian Flores' firing had nothing to do with Jim Harbaugh's potential availability. Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post tweeting that sources tell him that Jim Harbaugh is not going to Miami. I don't buy the Joe Shad in any way, shape, or form. Because something you're going to see a lot of over the next couple of days are league sources, league sources, which are agents for anybody who wants a little peek behind the curtain yeah. of how to report in sports. When you see league sources, those are agents that are talking to reporters. That's what a league source is. They don't know anything, but they have opinions. Well, they, they don't just have opinions. They have also an agenda. Yeah, they have some skin in the game. Yeah, they're like, I'm going to tell you one thing so that this might help my client yep. in the public view. Or it might give my client more leverage in negotiations as he's trying to become the Miami Dolphins' next head coach. Yep, absolutely. Know? Absolutely. So, take all of those with the proverbial sports grain of salt. When you see league sources just completely poo-pooing something that seems like it would have an awful lot of common sense. And Stephen Ross having interest in Jim Harbaugh makes an awful lot of sense, obviously, for a variety of reasons. Stephen Ross, Michigan man. That's his school. That is where he holds a lot of his pride. It's where he gives a lot of his money. A lot of a guy who's worth a lot of money. He has a relationship with Jim Harbaugh. He already tried to get Jim Harbaugh. Openly. Openly. With a head coach. Still employed. <laughs> which made for controversy in 2011. And then Stephen Ross said this on Monday. Which then sent Dolphins fans into the deep pits of depression and despair. Jim Harbaugh. I love Jim Harbaugh. Um, had the opportunity once before to come to, to the uh, Miami Dolphins. Uh, but uh, he's at the University of Michigan, as everybody really knows. And I guess that's really one of my really, uh, that is my school I graduated from and I'm very involved in it. And I'm not going to be the person that takes Jim Harbaugh from the University of Michigan. I hope he stays there. He's a great coach. So on its face, you hear that. And uh, Stephen Ross saying, I'm not going to be the one to take Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan. He's a great coach, and I hope he stays there. Understandably, uh, the immediate reaction from Dolphins fans is, then why would you get rid of Brian Flores? Why would you fire Brian Flores if you're not going to get Jim Harbaugh? Like, understandably so. Yeah. I think that people were disappointed and probably downright angry. 
Yeah, especially because that's the guy that was, you know, held up as the guy that you should fire Brian Flores for. Because Brian Flores, yeah. again, didn't, I mean, he had enough there to say this is why he got fired, but he had enough there to say this is why you keep Yeah, him. he had enough there. He had enough, uh, there was enough evidence to fire him, but it wasn't fair that he got fired. He didn't yeah. deserve to be fired, but he had enough evidence there to be fired, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think those can be mutually exclusive. And for you to fire him without already having the other person, like... It would be bizarre. Yeah, yeah. it's like kind of weird. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. weird. So it, it, everybody made sense of the Brian Flores firing by saying, oh, I guess we're getting Jim Harbaugh. And, and then, then he says that. Yeah. But let's hear it one more time. Let's listen to that one more time, because I don't think Stephen Ross is being understood exactly how he's trying to put potential interest in Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. I love Jim Harbaugh. Uh, had the opportunity once before to come to, to the uh, Miami Dolphins. Uh, but uh, he's at the University of Michigan. As everybody really knows, I guess that's really one of my really, uh, that is my school I graduated from and I'm very involved in it. And I'm not going to be the person that takes Jim Harbaugh from the University of Michigan. I hope he stays there. He's a great coach. I'm not going to be the person who takes Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan. What Stephen Ross isn't saying is, what if Jim Harbaugh makes the decision to leave Michigan? Because for me, I think for Stephen Ross, while he's not going to pull Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan, not going to try and entice him away from Michigan, if you believe the report after report after report after report that Jim Harbaugh wants to make the leap to the NFL... Jim Harbaugh is going to make the decision for Stephen Ross that Jim Harbaugh is leaving Michigan. And then, to me, I think it's game on for Stephen Ross and the Dolphins. Yeah. Once Harbaugh makes himself available at any point, at any sense, or even, you know, even flirts with being available for the NFL, I think it's a yeah, full-court press, similar to what yeah. we saw when they... Wanted Deshaun Watson? Because I don't... This is all going to be... No matter the team, this is going to be contingent on Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. I'm sure the Bears or the Raiders will reach out to Jim Harbaugh now, but don't think there hasn't already been discourse between Stephen Ross and maybe even Jim Harbaugh personally. That's his buddy. I mean, of that's course. his boy. Yeah, I don't even think an agent is involved here. Yeah, I think, think it's that's just. Correct. And there are reports that from Pro Football Talk that Stephen Ross and Jim Harbaugh have already talked about an extension at Michigan, about a new contract at Michigan. Don't think that it wouldn't take the stamp of a finger to start talking about a deal with the Dolphins. Do not despair. And there's a lot of hearsay in these coaching searches. And you made a great point, Theo. There are a lot of people, agents, who want stuff out there to push a narrative, to court public opinion. Mm. And with this, Stephen Ross isn't saying that Jim Harbaugh is not going to be a Dolphins target. He's saying he's not going to be the one that pulls Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan. But if Jim Harbaugh makes the decision that Jim Harbaugh is separating from Michigan, then the Dolphins will absolutely make Jim Harbaugh fair game in a coaching search. I, I firmly believe that. I don't think there's anything out of Stephen Ross that suggests to me Anything that he said that suggests to me that the Dolphins aren't going to pursue and go all in on Jim Harbaugh. All they need is the yes to, are you leaving Michigan? Yeah, they, they need the green. Really, they don't need the green light. They need the yellow light. Mm -hmm. They just need to see that there's a slither of a chance. It's almost yeah. like 
with when you know a guy that's pursuing a woman and you really you just need a slither of the oh she might give me the time of day well I'm yep. gonna pursue then yep you know like yep. they just want to see that one lock of eye contact from across the bar or whatever and they're jumping in yep and so this Jeff Darlington tech, uh, tweet that I referenced Jeff Darlington formerly of the Miami Herald now with ESPN here's what he tweeted that initially had people saying what the hell that Dolphins aren't going after Harbaugh uh, here's here's the tweet. While I realize many are assuming Flores' departure is tied to Harbaugh's potential availability, I can assure you that's not the case. The Dolphins are not targeting Jim Harbaugh per sources. The decision to fire Flores is entirely independent. What Jeff Darlington is saying there is that Brian Flores, the decision to let him go, was completely separate of any availability that Jim Harbaugh may have. Mm. It's a little misleading the way it's worded. The Dolphins are not targeting Jim Harbaugh per sources. Yeah, they're not targeting him right now. Because, as Stephen Ross put it, he is still the head coach at Michigan and hasn't given the indication, the go-ahead yet, that he's leaving Michigan. But I do think that every day we hear another report or read another report that Jim Harbaugh is talking with coaches, putting together a potential NFL staff. Jim Harbaugh, the expectation is that he's going to want to make a leap to the NFL. He's going to give an indication. He is going to throw up a green light and then that is when the rush is on for Jim Harbaugh. That doesn't mean the Dolphins aren't targeting him. They're simply just waiting because Stephen Ross is not interested in enticing Jim Harbaugh yeah. away from Michigan. And it, I'm sure it, it's frustrating for Dolphins fans who wish that the Dolphins owner would uh, maybe put the Dolphins ahead of Michigan because there's dual loyalty here. It's very sensitive for Stephen Ross. But I think it's perfectly reasonable, to be honest. And I don't think it's any reason to panic that they're just going to turn the other way and not focus on Harbaugh. Yeah, and if anything, the Dolphins should be the front runner for Harbaugh yeah. if he is made available to yes. the NFL. Like, look at that relationship with Michigan and that being his alma mater and that and Harbaugh being his buddy, obviously, as a connector and not a deterrent from Harbaugh coming here. If he's going to the NFL, Miami has a good chance. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, if you you look at, at the Dolphins, you look at the Lions, or not the Lions, the Bears, um, you look at the Raiders. Those are the three teams that have most significantly been the ja Jaguars are they're available at least. Yeah, the Jaguars have an opening. Yeah. I don't think Jim Harbaugh is necessarily uh, going to be interested in going to Jacksonville. Yeah. I mean, you never know. Yeah, yeah. Jim Harbaugh can be a little erratic, but the three teams that have most been tied to Harbaugh are the Dolphins, the Bears, and the Raiders. I don't think that the Dolphins are at a disadvantage compared to the other two. No. I mean, all have quarterback options I, I i mean that's a nice way to put it yeah yeah uh, you don't know what justin fields is you know he's got loads of athleticism tua is very much a work in progress you know he's got a a, a, a good head on him he can stay even yeah. can you squeeze out his potential and then Derek carr Derek carr we kind of know what he is now he's he's okay yeah he's okay he's someone not, you can work with yeah he's not david carr no he's he's, he's better yeah he's not you know He's not like, you know, Patrick Mahomes. He's somewhere, he, he's, a, he's a workable quarterback. They're a playoff team. And he That's makes throws. Fun. Like, the throw yeah. he made to Zay Jones, like, he yeah. makes throws here and there. Is, is he inconsistent? Yeah. Is he sometimes going to do things that make you want to bang your head into a concrete wall? Yeah. yeah. But he's a playoff quarterback. He's a, he's a playoff quarterback. So, yeah, that's enticing. But I don't think that there's such a wide crevasse between the Dolphins and the Raiders when it comes to who Harbaugh would pick. And again, nothing that Stephen Ross said tells me that Stephen Ross is not eventually, when he gets the thumbs up, going to try and go get 
Jim Harbaugh. Stephen Ross has shown if a guy is out there, he's going to try and get him. Look at who Sean Watson. Yeah, he went to. He's still trying to get him. Adam Beasley uh, 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 is reporting, former Miami Herald writer, that it was it was Flores who wanted Deshaun Watson. That Flores is the one who really? wanted the pursuit of Deshaun Watson because he didn't trust Tua. Because he didn't want Tua. That goes in line with the way that Flores was using Tua, especially early on. So I can mm -hmm. see that. So. Mm -hmm. Not starting him in games like Baltimore where he clearly appeared to be healthy. Yeah. I, I, I just, listen, and I'm not using this to bash Brian Flores, but Brian Flores is no longer there. It's an unpopular firing in NFL circles. But Stephen Ross, while he has lacked wins as an owner, and I understand Dolphins fans' frustrations, he's not a dope. He's not an idiot, and he's someone that has put himself on the line an awful lot to get big-time players, opened up his checkbook to try and get big-time players. Have they worked out? Largely no, mm -hmm. unfortunately. He's been extremely unlucky. I don't know. The team might be cursed, but I do know that he goes for it. And if Jim Harbaugh says, hey, NFL, come get me, nothing that Stephen Ross said makes me think that he's not going to go for it. Yeah, and he has to be, Jim Harbaugh has to be the apple of everybody's eye at this point. I right? think so. Like, he's probably the top coaching candidate, right? Yeah, and it's funny because he's still, like, well-endowed and in a good job. Like, he yeah. likes that job at Michigan, but he's yeah. the top coaching candidate in the NFL. Uh, here's the thing, though. Michigan last year said, hey, bro, we need you to take a pay cut. This hasn't gone the way we thought it was going to go, so we're taking some of your salary back, and not just some, a lot yeah. of your salary back. And so he came back, gave him a Big Ten championship, and I think that might be what's spurring this as well, where yeah. it's a little of, all right, you didn't believe in me, and you slashed my contract in half? Well, here's your winner, and also, here's my middle finger. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Or, but then again, that, that's what also makes me wonder, is this a leverage play by Harbaugh to let this linger, let this be. linger but while he this... works on the negotiation? Yeah, but man, it has lingered for a long time, right? Yeah. They and, should come out with that extension if it's going to come out. Yeah, because the fact that we haven't heard anything from Michigan, we haven't heard anything from Harbaugh, and it has been a week at this point. Yeah. It, has, it, it hasn't even been, like, when we were talking about this last week, 24 hours we didn't hear anything. That's how we knew this was real. This has been a week, and we have multiple reports where Harbaugh is apparently reaching out to potential NFL assistants. So there's something here. Something's bubbling. This is more than just a ploy to get extended. This is more than just <laughs> Lane Kiffin putting his name out for every job imaginable in order for Ole Miss to extend him. There's something to this. There's, yeah. there's substance to this whole thing with Jim Harbaugh. But Stephen Ross has not said in my mind or in Theo's mind at all that he's not going to target Jim Harbaugh. It just so happens that right now he's not a target because he hasn't given the indication that he is officially leaving Michigan, which I still think is going to happen, and I still think the Dolphins are going to have a say on the future of Jim Harbaugh. Ken Levick alive on ESPN 106.3, Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm Ken Levick, and more after this on ESPN West Palm. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken LaVica.
pleasure now as the GameBridge LPGA comes up January 27th through January 30th at Boca Rio, making its return. And the woman who last won it when it was at Boca Rio is Madeline Sackstrom, and she joins us here on uh, ESPN 106.3. And Madeline, first of all, appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time. And uh, for, for you to come back to the place where you won your first LPGA Tour tournament, I got to think that while well, you went through the whole uh, media scrum last year as the defending champion to actually return to the place where you won it a couple of years ago has got to be pretty significant for you. Uh, yes, thank you for having me so much. Um, it's, it's It kind of feels like I'm kind of defending champion two years in a row and I finally get to go back to to where I where I played and where I won and I know last year I was still defending champion but it's it, it's it really feels nice to go back I, I clearly love that golf course so I uh, I have good memories and I'm very excited nice for you too being uh, an Orlando resident uh, you can just uh, shoot down the turnpike into Boca Raton it's not quite a home game but it's it's pretty close to one for you yeah, no, this first stretch for us is actually really nice. I get to start I get to start in Orlando and then heading down to Boca. So it's uh, it's nice to drive your own car. We we fly and travel so much. So every time when you have that luxury, it's uh it, it just makes you really excited. I have spent my entire professional career just talking, just saying things. Like, it's what I do. I've never had the satisfaction of winning a competitive sporting event, a tournament, and you were able to, to pick up your first LPGA Tour win uh, at the Boca Rio. I know it's a while ago, but I'm sure you still are able to recapture some of those feelings, finally able to to hoist a trophy. What are your, your biggest recollections of the game bridge? Uh, back in uh, 2020? Well, I think you always tried. I mean, we're, you lose more in my sport than you win. So it's it's one of those feelings you want to linger on and you want to go back and revisit those. I, I do save a lot of memories from that week. I have a lot of the TV footage on my phone and I, I try to go back and I look at it and just see what did I do then? How did I feel? Um, but for me, like the biggest thing, it was just kind of how easy it was. I felt so at peace. Obviously, I was nervous. I was excited. But those are kind of the feelings that, that we as golfers want. Most professional athletes want because then you know you're in it. So, sure. um, But just kind of how, how, how at place I felt. Like I knew that my game was good enough and I just, and I just needed to let go and, and kind of get that result with it. Just prove that I belong on the LPGA Tour and I, I belong in the winner's circle. I broadcast a lot of college football, a lot of college basketball, and I know in the biggest moments late in games, I'm nervous, and I'm just describing the action uh, for you. And that win at the game bridge that came down to uh, the final hole uh, for you, how do you keep your composure? How do you keep yourself even keeled enough to where you can still perform and you're feeling the nervousness, but you're still able to function? How do you do that? I think it comes down to, I mean, we've done the reps, you've done the practice, you know, um, you know, you've put in the time and, and I, I do, I kind of go back now to when people say, even when Tiger says like, I've done the grind, it's like now this is your time to just go out and play and enjoy it. And, and I think that kind of comes back to just trusting that you put in the work. Um, and it's, it's, it's difficult, but it, I think a lot of it comes with experience. The, the younger you are, the more nervous you get. And then the more experience you get, then you, you know you've been in these situations before. I mean, I've been up there a bit last year. I never really pulled it off, but it, it's still you, remind, you get reminded of the feelings because you've had them before.
2020 Gamebridge LPGA champion Madeline Sangstrom with us here on ESPN 106.3. We are just a couple of weeks away from the Gamebridge LPGA back at Boca Rio. And uh, how is the holidays for you? What do you do during the holidays from a golf standpoint? How much do you kick your feet up a little bit and just sort of relax so you can gear up for the grind that's about to come? I I was I took two weeks off uh, in the beginning right after uh, we played our tour final. So I actually went back to Sweden got to see some family. Uh, it's been a bit of a struggle with COVID for us. So like for everyone else, so it's been a bit struggle to travel overseas to see everyone. So it was nice to kind of go back uh, and do that. But then I went back to America pretty quick after and I, I'd have practice since before Christmas. So um, my coach was just in town and we've been doing some really long days these last five days. So that's kind of been my preseason work. And now it's we're getting more into getting the tournaments mode ready. So we've been doing more mechanical work. I've been working a lot in my gym and just uh, just trying to get the body ready. And now I think it's time to get the mind more ready. The, the first couple of tournaments of the year, how much stock do you take in it? I know you want to win. I know that's the objective is to win tournaments, but there's also a buildup for majors and for, for later on in the year. How do you consume the first couple of tournaments of the year? What are you trying to accomplish other than just victories here? Well, this year is kind of it's kind of good. We we play three weeks and then we have three weeks off. So this year is kind of that you get a little test, okay? What because every every year you sit down, okay? This is what I liked about my play, and this mm -hmm. is what I want to improve. So you you spend a good couple months of actually trying to improve your game and figure out those weaknesses. But so these these are kind of really the testing zone. Like, have I done the right work? And so it, things are going in the right direction. And then I think that. I'm going to sit down and look, okay, this is what I've been, this is the effort I've been putting in. Is it doing the results that I want? So um, it's a good little startup, but at the same time, like you said, I mean, we want to go out and we want to win. So uh, it's a, it's a bit mixed feelings, but I think everyone out on tour, they're always trying to improve. That's, that's what we're searching for. So um, that's kind of, you got, you got to get to check it out. One of the great things about Madeline Sackstrom is that she is very open about where her game is at and how she's feeling at a certain time. That's what I've enjoyed most about following your career. And so I do want to ask you, you finishing tied for second at the Open Championship, that is far and away your, your best major performance. I have to imagine you do that and you say to yourself, you know what? It actually is very realistic that I could grab one of these sometime soon. No, for sure. And I think that's, uh, I was on a good run in 2020. And then, and then when we had our massive break there for five months, it, it kind of hit me hard. I didn't play as well when I came back out. And I, I, I mean, obviously I wish I would have kept going and I've been kind of searching a little bit since kind of been trying out a few things didn't work out. So I really think that's this summertime. I played very well at the Olympics too. And I had some good, finishes before that so that's kind of I, I knew then that I've kind of gotten back in, back into my rhythm um, I was doing good things and they were leading in the right direction I switched out my putting a little bit more and um, started doing aim point and it's just I can just see that the things that I had tried worked so now it's just continuing to work on the puzzle and then just hoping when that day comes that the puzzle falls in like in the right place Sure. I do have to ask you, how does a, uh, a young woman golfer from Sweden, uh, how long does it take her to adjust to LSU, to Baton Rouge? What was that like uh, bringing your life to, uh, I mean, such a vastly different place than where you grew up? 
I really think that the people kind of took embraced me and just and just let me be a part of the community. It it was I mean a massive culture shock. Obviously, it it was it was and nothing that I've ever experienced before. I came to came to a school and people thought it was cool that I played golf and I had never had that really <laughs> back at home. So it um, everybody really just took care of me. It it was so nice. I I had a fantastic school to be able to practice and I love the culture. I love food, so it fit me right. It fit me so well. Uh, it was some of the golf part that was that took me a bit of a while, like kind of like Bermuda grass took me a good five years to yeah. figure out. So, so it 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 was a, it was a it was a great experience, and I would never change it for anything. So it uh, I really enjoyed my time there. That is awesome. I've actually never met anyone who's had a bad time in Baton Rouge, so that's good that, uh, that the streak is alive now. Uh, Madeline Sagstrom with us here on ESPN 106.3. couple of more for the 2020 Gamebridge LPGA champion headed back to Boca Rio here in just a couple of weeks' time. Uh, with, with Boca Rio, what are the most challenging parts of that course where if you conquer it, you feel like you're in a position to win? When we played in 2020, it was playing fairly long. So I think that's having a solid ball, uh, ball striking week is really good. And like we know Florida, you it can get really windy here. So yeah. I think that that's definitely going to play a big part. Uh, we had some windy days back in 2020. So I mean, I hope for some wind because I think the Florida golf is fun. Um, and also, I think that the short game is, is kind of tricky because like I said, we have Bermuda uh, in Florida and it, it gets a little bit you need to play different shots than we might do when we're playing up in Michigan and stuff. So um, I love it because I mean, I mean, I'm based in Florida, so I love that kind of game. So uh, it fits my eye very well. It fits my game very well. So it's, uh, it's all about the conditions really. I did want to ask you as well. Uh, ProMedica is the new presenting sponsor of the USGA Championship, and that means that the U.S. Women's Open, the payout's going to be up to ten million dollars this year. Uh, it's going to ramp up each year, and it's going to end up being fairly close to what the men make. There is going to be maybe more so equal pay than we've ever seen uh, between uh, the two different golf organizations. For you, uh, one that's got to be gratifying fine two it's probably got to feel like a long time coming but three it seems like there is such a massive effort being made now i think that's something that the women's sort of we've done we've worked so hard for a lot of years we do a fantastic job with sponsors we do great with proam so it's it's really it's really great to see that um that everybody is want to bring the women's game to a higher level and i think it's 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 great for the youth coming from below, knowing that they have a great future and a great establishment establishment to go to and play at. So, I mean, it's for us. It's it's just a keep. It's a building block from what we've done. We worked for a long time, and I know all the girls want to see it more equal. And I, I think that the men too want to see it more equal. So it's uh, yeah. It's uh, it's just such a great way to. I mean, I think women's golf is it's been growing so well over the last few years and it's, it's just proof that all our hard work is coming coming together yeah. There's so much star power and it's such an entertaining product and uh, you're right. It is starting to come up here in a major way. And uh, I think there, there should be more buy-in because again, this is a great product that's out there on a near week to week basis. But again, Madeline Sackstrom, one of the young stars that is making this big push for women's golf and she'll be at Boca Rio for the Gamebridge LPGA January 27th, heading down from her home in Orlando to try and win at Boca Rio for a second straight time. Madeline, thank you so much for the time. Really awesome to talk to you. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks down here, okay? 
Thank you for having me. I look forward to it. One of the brightest stars in women's golf, Madeline Sagstrom, here with us on Ken LaVica Live. More to come. I'm Ken LaVica, and we're on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken LaVica. Why I feel deceived, why I feel misled, why I feel bamboozled by ESPN and the college football playoff. But I want to remind you that Ken LaVica Live is presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, fau.edu slash MBA Sport. It's the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. So Monday night, the national championship game, and uh, as I've, I've talked about throughout the week, I forgot that the game existed and forgot it was being played until 11.30 in the morning on, well, Monday, just uh, several hours before kickoff. But I also, in the process of being reminded that Alabama and Georgia were playing for a big old trophy, uh, I was reminded that Katy Perry would be the halftime performer. Katy Perry, uh, the the lovely Katy Perry, uh, the pop sensation, the star uh, who, who came to to, to fame with I Kissed a Girl, had one of the memorable Super Bowl halftime performances with Left Shark. Uh, I hear Katy Perry performing at halftime, and I'm like, you know, fine, I'll, I'll give it a glance. I'm not a huge Katy Perry fan. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not someone who goes out and buys albums or buys music of Katy Perry, but definitely aware of her. I, uh, I definitely know she's a very, very beautiful woman. She is a transcendent superstar. Uh, she's a known quantity, as they say, in the music industry. Here's a, here's a little bit of that, uh, that Katy Perry performance from the National Championship game Monday. Okay, that's enough of that. Uh, so you hear that, and yeah, it's good. It, 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 it's good. Here's the, here's the problem. Here's the problem. It was a music video. There was no performance. There was no show. There was nothing like that. It was a music video. They presented a music video and tried to pass it off as a halftime show. Who does that? Whose fault is that? Is that Katy Perry? Like, what happened there? Did Katy Perry have a flight canceled and she couldn't make it to Indianapolis? Did they decide to pull wool over our music-loving eyes and the plan the whole time was to play a music video? You can't sell something as a performance or as a show and then play a music video. I have not seen one good explanation. I've not heard one good excuse for why that happened. That wasn't a show. That wasn't a performance. That was a music video. Who's responsible for this? I want to know. I need to know. Me, the American consumer, the music fan, the college football fan. I get told there's going to be a halftime show. I expect a halftime show. I want a stage. I want people dressed up. I want sultry dancing. I want backup dancers. I want instruments. I want the whole thing. I want strobe lights. I want uh, fans holding up 
different uh, glow stick lights. I want the whole effect. Roger Goodell wouldn't do something like this. He'd bring us a damn performer in the flesh. What does college football think it is? Who does Katy Perry think she is? You know who wouldn't have done that? Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. You know who wouldn't have done that? Lady Gaga. You know who wouldn't have done that? Uh, uh, insert country musician here. And I hate country music. But those people would have showed up and they're bottom of the barrel in music. They're gum underneath my shoe in music and they would have showed up. They would have satisfied my live music urge. Kelly Clarkson would have showed up in person. She would have been part of the halftime performance. She would have performed. She would have put on a show. But no, Katy Perry. And you'd think Katy Perry's standard would be super high because she she was part of still one of the most talked about Super Bowl halftime shows of the last decade with her, her, her sharks. It was good. It was funny. It was cute. But this, she disappointed me. She deceived us. She misled us. She bamboozled us. This isn't good enough from Katy Perry. You don't promote a performance or a show at halftime of a massive football game, and then it turns out to be a music video. So what happened in, in Indy? Did the fans just look at the scoreboard, and that was their halftime show? There was nothing going on on the field? Where's the stage? Where are the young children who sing in chorus with the star? Where are the people wearing bungee cords soaring through the air? Where was my concert? Where was my performance? Where was my show? Katy Perry, I'll never forgive you for this. I'll never forgive you for this, Katy Perry. You said you were going to perform. You said there was going to be a show. And you foisted upon me a music video. Nonsense. Listening Lunch is next. Ken Levick Alive, ESPN 106.3.